on into another episode of the third round reversal fantasy football podcast. Brett Malamud here again with Zach Malamud and Zach after a UEFA Super Cup victory. How uh, how are you feeling there? Go City. Uh, very, very happy right now. And uh, we got some big news this week in, in football and uh, really excited to talk about it. Yeah, so let's break some football down on this side of the pond. We have some actual news going down as, as the preseason has opened up. We have some actual games being played. We start out in New York, New Jersey. Dalvin Cook signing a one-year $8.6 million deal with the New York Jets. Zach, let's just talk about this. I mean, we spoke about it a little bit last week, but just from the impact of Dalvin Cook alone, um, it's an interesting situation now. Brees Hall off of the pup list, uh, and he seems to be practicing well. And, you know, it kind of gives them a, a little bit of a buffer period where they don't really have to rush him back. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting one, but obviously, like, the talent, you there's nothing else to talk about when it comes to Dalvin Cook. I mean, the number two on the board in scrimmage yards the last six years, he's only behind Derrick Henry in that span. I mean, Dalvin Cook, you know what you're going to get. He's a really talented running back, has done a bit of everything in his time in Minnesota. And, I mean, he's going to come into the Jets system. He's not going to be the clear running back one. But, I mean, there's a chance he could do that early in this season while Brees Hall is still coming back from that torn ACL. But, obviously, the talent is there. It's a great move for the Jets because they add another piece to that backfield where – now, like I said, they don't have to rush Brees Hall, very young, still a lot of time in the NFL. They don't have to rush him back from a, a really serious injury last season. Yeah, I, I really think that what this will do is, and, and granted that Dalvin is in shape and, you know, he's ready to roll and he's obviously he's coming off a of shoulder surgery. So that's an interesting question mark there. They said when he signed the contract, he was going to miss a week. Um and then unrelated to the, his shoulder injury, he's also having a child. And so congratulations to him. He signs his contract today. He heads back down to Florida. Uh, he's going to get to witness the birth of his first child. So that's really cool. Um, but, you know, as far as the football goes, he's coming back from injury. And so he's apparently going to be ready, ready to go. Brees, on the other hand, you know, he's just been rehabbing really. And, and yeah, he's been running and they've been talking about the GPS stats and all of that. Um, I'm not sure how fast he's going to get back to his workload. Um, I think that this could be a Dalvin Cook backfield pretty early. Um, and obviously, you know, you have some other guys there. Izzy Abanaconda has been helping out. Uh, we'll see if Bam Knight or Michael Carter makes the roster. I think that's an interesting case now, now that you have a Dalvin Cook in there. Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens as Brees gets healthy and what it's like towards the second half of the season. From a fantasy perspective, though, does this change Brees Hall's draft position? Yeah, it definitely does. And and I would move Bruce Hall down uh, on some boards. He's going, what, third or fourth round, like right around that turn. Um, I would push him down to maybe fifth or sixth round. I think that's probably the spot for him. And I think Dalvin Cook is going to end up going right around that spot uh, as well. I think the there there's positives on both sides of this, Brett. I mean, you look at Dalvin Cook coming in. Yes, there's injury concerns to start the season, but you would think, I mean, if he's not ready really um, in the system by week one, they have the, the last game of week one against the Bills on Monday night. If he's not ready completely week one, then week two on, he'll probably be the number one guy. He'll get him in the system and, and fully rolling. I would say... Once it gets to around week eight, week nine, I think Brees Hall is going to really get into that workload uh, that Dalvin Cook will have in the first eight weeks or so of the season. So looking at that, I mean, you're looking forward to the fantasy playoffs. Will you have that key piece, that number one running back who I think it, it I wouldn't be surprised, Brett, if it ended up turning into a Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon type of situation once we hit week nine, week 10, Aaron Jones, who takes probably 10 carries a game, but gets all of the receiving work. I think that translates to Brees Hall and AJ Dillon, who will get those big carries between the tackles towards the goal line. I think that could turn into this situation in New York. Once we get to, like I said, around week 10 or so. 
And it's interesting that you say that because if you think back a couple episodes, we spoke about that pairing. And for the last, I believe it was six or seven weeks of the season, it was a 50-50 split down the middle for Dylan and for Jones. And so I, I think that that is a possibility there. And, you know, Dalvin in the PPR game, I think that could be a helpful thing as well um, as they start to use Brees more between the tackles. And, and um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious where they use it because they've been able to use both guys in the passing game. Uh, you know, Dalvin has obviously made a name for himself. And and then Brees Hall last year was really good in the passing game as well. So, you know, I, I'm kind of curious where it lies. But, yeah, I think I agree with the fact that Brees' value is definitely lower. He's going to slide down boards a bit. Um, if you drafted already, don't panic on on a Brees Hall thing because um, I think he'll at least have, you know, good value. Um, he will score some touchdowns and, and things like that. Uh, if you pick – Dalvin Cook, though, late, I think you're sitting in a pretty good situation right now. Um, you know, he was going in anywhere from the 8th to 10th round in every mock draft that I was doing. And so I think that that's a fair situation there. And, and you know, in the next couple of weeks, he'll probably even slide up a bit. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting one because, I mean, we I can talk about this for a, a couple of different guys. One guy I've thought about is, is Cooper Cup. Um, whether uh, the Rams are going to be full go this season or he's going to sit out some games, they're not going to risk his health. I feel like if Dalvin Cook starts to go off early in the season, Brett, and, and Brees Hall's obviously not getting that full workload, I think Dalvin Cook in week eight could be like a big trade target. I think you could get a lot of value for a guy like Dalvin Cook um, just because people are going to see, oh, he's putting up those big numbers. And yeah, well, while we're sitting there knowing Brees Hall is going to come back, you might be able to get away with one. And Dalvin Cook uh, goes to another team. You could get some good pieces to add to maybe a playoff type roster uh, that you would have in fantasy this season. I, I, I would look forward to that uh, for Dalvin Cook just because I think Brees, like I said, once we get to the later stages and, and towards the playoffs, I think Brees Hall is going to really take over this backfield. I know when you said trade Dalvin Cook, somebody's ears were ringing in one of our leagues that has been trying to trade for Dalvin Cook for, for quite a while. Um, I, I agree with you. Listen, I think that Dalvin is one of those guys that he has name value just alone. And so I, I think that that even makes it a higher value than, than just a regular you know, running back, it's a guy who finished in the top five, you know, how many years in a row. And so, yeah, I'm not saying that that's going to happen again this year, but at the same time, I think that, yeah, if he starts to get onto a roll, yeah, you probably could trade him knowing that Brees is going to come back and probably will split the carries 50, 50. Yeah. And, and just quickly, Brett, I, from the fantasy value standpoint and in, in, I mean, redraft and dynasty right now, I would put Dalvin RB2 conversation, probably nothing higher. Uh, I understand people are like, oh, well, he's got the backfield to himself. No, he doesn't. He's He's got three other guys there. One of them might get traded, whether it's Michael Carter or, or one of the other guys. They, they might offload a guy with Dalvin now there. But he's an RB2 right now uh, in New York. They're still going to go heavy in the passing game. They got Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. He's going to want to sling the ball around. It's not going to be a, a run-heavy type offense where Dalvin would be putting up big, big numbers in the first eight weeks of the season. He's an RB2, uh, and, and you probably drafted him assuming that he would end up being an RB2. Uh, whether you picked him in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, you knew that you had uh, some more reliable guys ahead of him. Yeah, and I think what's interesting here is, you know, we talked about the last couple of years of the Jets and how they – come from Robert Sala and the Shanahan offense. They like to rotate their running backs. Now Nathaniel Hackett's there, and he likes to rotate his running backs as well. And so when he was out in Denver, uh, Melvin Gordon and, and the likes with obviously Javante. But I think that that's an interesting point there. I know that they'll probably keep Izzy Abanaconda. They just drafted him this past season. And so you'd figure that him and Brees and Dalvin will be there. And so you probably have room for maybe one more. And so – that's the interesting thing. Do you keep Bam Knight or do you keep Michael Carter? And what's the effect on the offense and the, and the fantasy perspective on that? Um, that, I think, is going to be the most interesting part of who they cut or trade or or whatnot. Yeah, quite interesting. And we'll, and we'll see what happens with the Jets, whether it's Bam Knight or Michael Carter. I think, I think Carter has a little bit more value and teams would probably go for him a little bit more uh, around the NFL. Yeah, now I'm going to surprise you here because we have some breaking news, actually. And... Traylon Burks 
went down and practice on a 60 yard bomb. Uh, comes out here from Ian Rappaport, NFL Network Insider. He suffered an LCL sprain during practice, which keeps him out only a few weeks. So immediately, you know, everybody thought, "Wow, done for the year," and you know, on to the to the uh, the show of D Hop. And now it seems he's only out for a few weeks, Zach. So, what do you think the impact is on this potential injury uh, and the and the sense that it could potentially linger into the season? Yeah, I mean, you would probably say right now, very lucky, uh, I think would be the biggest thing for, for Traylon Burks. Obviously, you see a guy uh, go off in the middle of of training camp on a cart, especially everybody goes onto a, a, a cart. Um, we knew that. We found that out the other day. Every single person, they just don't want to risk an injury whatsoever. So they all go out on a cart. And I mean, Traylon Burks is the latest to go out. Obviously, now only a few weeks. That's that's good news for fantasy owners as well as Traylon Burks and and for D Hop. I I think it meant the same. Really, I, I think he's going to be the number one guy. I didn't think Traylon Burks would take into his workload a ton in Tennessee, just based on this offense is going to run through Derrick Henry, and then everything else is going to be whether it's DeAndre Hopkins. He's the number one target. They're going to have to go to him or Chigakonko, the tight end this year, or their backup wide receiver in Traylon Burks. I think there's not a ton uh, there outside of Hopkins and Anaconquo and Derrick Henry, but I think Traylon Burks is a good option to have a late-round flyer, most likely. I, I mean, you could take him maybe ninth round. I'd probably say is the earliest. Uh, he's a bench guy right now because you don't know what's going to happen in that case, if if DeAndre Hopkins picks up an injury, Chickaconquo picks up an injury, then you say, okay, Traylon Burks' value will go up uh, and they'll throw to him a little bit more. But right now, uh, not much uh, with the when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins and, and Chickaconquo valued moving any a bit of source with Traylon Burks now out a couple weeks. Yeah, and I think the again the interesting thing is we're now you know three weeks away from the season, and and so whether that does linger into the season or he misses a week or two early, you know that could potentially lead to listen. D Hop's getting more targets in in the first two weeks, and all of a sudden he's the obviously favorite target, you know, and that kind of doesn't really go away. Uh, we've seen that in in the last couple of years with some guys, and so you know there's the potential that 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 happens. That said, Traylon Burks, I, I think that he's also in a situation where, um, you know, they're going to be putting their best cornerback on D-Hop, and so it does free him up. And so, yeah, I, I think that that late-round flyer is intriguing. Um, I know he almost fell to me in, in a draft, and I considered taking him there and ended up opting for other options. But I think that, you know, Traylon Burks is one of those sleeper targets that you could potentially take in your draft. Yeah, and it, it also, if Traylon Burks gets that injury, it also puts uh, Nick Westbrook-Akina on the radar. He's the third guy. He would move it up to number two. Not a ton of fantasy value, but a, a guide maybe to hold on your bench and, and see if something happens uh, throughout the year that that has a spark between Tannehill and, and excuse me, uh, Nick Westbrook-Akina. Yeah, definitely uh, avoided the absolute worst of, uh, of cases there for Traylon Burks, though, with only an LCL sprain. Um, and he is only going to be out a few weeks rather than the full season. Uh, and so now we go back to, to some news from the last couple days, and it's Ezekiel Elliott. He signs a one-year, $6 million deal with the New England Patriots. Zach, is this going to eat into Ramondre Stevenson's workload, or are we going to see one of those like five carries for one yard and three touchdowns? So it's, it's weird because – I feel like Zeke's going to have that kind of workload, like a five, five carries, three touchdowns. You're like, oh, darn it. What are we doing here? Why is Ramondre not getting that workload? I feel like I want, maybe the last couple of weeks, it's changed my opinion a little bit. I don't know if there's a huge drop in the rankings for Ramondre now because Zeke comes in. I mean, in ESPN, he went from RB12 to RB15. Like, there's still a clear avenue right now for Ramondre Stevenson to be a top 10 running back. And it's as long as there's touchdown production, whether that's in the receiving game. I mean, he could still uh, come out of the backfield. He's going to be the receiving back. He could still get uh, some touchdowns from there. And 
I mean, Ramondre had five touchdowns or six touchdowns last season. That was with Damian Harris and some other running backs also getting those touchdowns out of the backfield. So obviously I think Zeke is going to eat into that and, and get some of those touchdowns. But I feel like, I don't know if there's a huge drop off for Ramondre because I know the, the, the volume's going to be there. Would I take him in the second round or early third round? Probably not. I'd stay away. I think there's better options, but I feel like in the last couple of weeks, I don't know what's happened, Brett, but I feel like Ramondre is still going to get that volume in that New England offense and the touchdowns. He can only, he, if he gets four or five touchdowns, I'm very happy because Ramondre was a top seven running back with just six touchdowns last season. Yeah. So for me, I don't know that Zeke is anything more than a handcuff to Ramondre. I, I think that if you have Ramondre, you probably can grab Zeke late in the draft just to make sure that you have that guy and, and use it as the protection. Um, you know, there's going to be the occasional spiked weeks in production when he falls in the end zone. Again, like we said, five carries, three touchdowns for like a yard. Uh, and you're like, what, what happened? Where did Ramondre's things go? But ladies and gentlemen, I think that we have discovered the vulture of the season. It's going to be Zeke Elliott. I think that once they get within the 10 yard line, I think they, they're going to just give the ball to Zeke. I think that that's what's going to be, you know, what's going to happen. And I'm not sure that that's going to cause that much of a decline in Ramondre because Ramondre is pretty good in open space. I think that that's been proven. And, and so he'll score a lot of touchdowns from outside the 10 yard line, but Listen, once they get it down deep, I think that that's who they're going to give it to. I think it's going to be Zeke, um, and they're just going to try to pound it. So I think that's your vulture of the season. Um, and, again, I, I think that the offense in general, as we've spoken about the Patriots and as we went through each team, the Patriots are going to have an average at best offense. And so I'm not sure that I would take a chance on Zeke unless I had Ramondre on my team. Yeah, I agree with you. And, I mean, Zeke is – like you said, he's the massive insurance back right now for Ramondre. You got, you got to go get Zeke. I, there's no other way to say it. Um, I, I feel like Stevenson, like I said, I wouldn't take him second or third round. If he's sitting there late third round, early fourth round, I'll jump on him completely. Cause I feel like, like I said, there's still an avenue to being a top 10, like he was last season. I, I understand Zeke right now. He's, he's going to be the goal line back. He's a massive insurance back. You got to get him. Uh, and other than that, he's going to be on benches, I would say. But he's one Ramondre Stevenson injury away from being top 15 every single week. I think that's something to look at. Uh, and like I said, if you have Ramondre, you better, better find a way to go get Zeke Elliott right now. Yeah, and I think that if you have already drafted your leagues and you don't have Zeke, then it's probably going to cost you. And, and you know, that's the price you pay in, in fantasy. But right now, Zeke's a, a sell-high candidate for me. Um, I don't know that Zeke's going to really get any PPR work other than just, he's just going to score touchdowns and be a goal linebacker and be a vulture. Um, I think Ramondre gets all that work. That said, definitely would recommend you getting both if you have Ramondre on your team. Completely agree. I think, I think this offense in this running back room the volume is all Ramondre Stevenson all right so now we go down to our favorite little debate here that we've had multiple times on this podcast let's break down the rookie quarterbacks so we start out in Indianapolis as this past week Anthony Richardson was named the starter by Shane Steichen as he made you know his debut he was playing against the Bills defense it was a a big game, loud crowd in Buffalo. And, you know, he kind of made some pretty big mistakes early on. He took a, you know, off the back foot, you know, and just kind of flung one right to the defense and early interception. He kind of got himself composed a bit uh, through a gorgeous pass to Alec Pierce that should have gone for a 34-yard touchdown that got dropped. Um, but we also got to see a small taste of Anthony Richardson's rushing potential in the game. Uh, he put his head down, tried to literally just crush a defender. Uh, so he finishes 7 of 12, 67 yards, two rushes for seven yards. Um, Zach, what did you make of this, you know, early debut and then the fact that he got named the starter? Yeah, I mean, obviously the one mistake is is what people now look at and and that's going to uh, overshadow really his his debut. But I mean, 7 for 12, that's 
I mean, it's not great, but it's also what you're expecting. He's he's very young. He's he's got a lot of time. Accuracy was the problem coming out, and, and it's still it's going to take him some time to to get that going, especially now as the starter. Uh, I mean, I, I think it it's a good start for for a rookie, and and being in that type of setting that that preseason opener. Obviously, the pick he's going to want it back. But other than that, you can see the talent is definitely there from Richardson. Yeah, it looked like he was looking for Isaiah McKenzie, and Isaiah McKenzie didn't really turn, and he just kind of flung it and and wasn't looking at the receiver. So, you know, bad mistake there by the quarterback. I think it was on on both of them, really, because you saw Isaiah McKenzie get yelled at on the sideline right after that. But at the same time, Richardson, you know, just rookie mistake. It happens, and, you know, obviously, welcome to the NFL. Like, that's your first impression that people get of you now. Um, is that he just kind of flung one to the defense. But that said, yeah, I think that he's, he stayed kind of composed towards the end, and that was a little you know, good to see. And then, obviously, he, he flung that, that would have been 34-yard touchdown on what just looked like a beautiful play, um, got dropped, but you know, that kind of happens as well. Um, and then he got named a starter. Listen, I think that that's, to me, the biggest takeaway is that the coach had enough confidence after that performance to say, okay, he's our starting quarterback. He'll be okay. Um, that to me ups his value in touch uh, only because I didn't, I was not sure that he was going to be the starter for the entire season. Um, so for me, it, it, up, it ups it a touch. Obviously we spoke about where we're having him in our rankings. I'm not sure that he's still going to be a top 10. Like some people are saying, some people are saying top 12. I don't know that he'll have that number. That said, if the rushing ability comes and Jonathan Taylor is not there, which I think is the biggest point, if Jonathan Taylor is not there, then I can see it. But I don't, I don't know that I can see it with Jonathan Taylor there. Uh, it is worth noting Jonathan Taylor was back with the team till today, and then about a half hour ago, uh, the Colts released a short statement. Jonathan Taylor returned to Indianapolis to continue his rehab. However, he had a personal matter arise. He's not currently with the team. His absence is excused. It comes out from ESPN that it had nothing to do with a contract extension. And the, the dispute continues, though, with the contract. And I'm sure it'll linger for the next couple of weeks at least. Um, and obviously, we spoke last week about Jim Ursay. Uh, so go check out that episode. But, you know, Zach, what do you think of, of the potential of Richardson without Jonathan Taylor? I mean, I think there's potential there. I also can see from the standpoint, yes, Jonathan Taylor was going to get that workload and, and he was going to get uh, a, over 20 carries a game. You could see that. I don't know if in Anthony Richardson's rookie year that the Colts will say, say okay, Jonathan Taylor's not there. Let's give some of those carries now to Anthony Richardson because I feel like a young quarterback in that spot, especially with how bad this Colts roster kind of looks um, at, at some parts of it, I feel like they may shy away from putting him in a, a lot of danger. I think they they may shy away of, of giving him those rushing plays. There's going to be those opportunities, but I don't know if that all of a sudden rises because Jonathan Taylor's not there. I feel like they're still going to ride some of those running backs that they have because they they got a lot of young ones there, and, and now with Zach Moss out, Kenyon Drake can come in. He's an experienced back. I feel like it, it's there's the positives, and, and obviously uh, it could happen with Taylor out, but I, I shy away a tiny bit just because, I, like I said, I don't know if they're going to want to put him in a ton of risk in just his rookie year. Yeah, I agree, because I think that you know without Jonathan Taylor, then – Anthony Richardson kind of becomes the focal point of that offense. And that's a little scary if you're coming in as a rookie and we've seen rookies that have done that and just failed. Um, you know, some rookie quarterbacks that got thrown into the fire and, you know, we'll talk about the other two in a minute who also look like they're going to be the starters as well. But I mean, you and I spoke the other day about Zach Wilson and how he just kind of got thrown in to the fire on, on a not great team. Um, and see what the result was. Obviously, he came in talented and all of that, and the sky was the limit. But when you're just getting thrown into the fire and you're the focal point of the offense as a rookie, you know, you're being forced to make plays and, and you're being criticized when you don't. So I'm not sure that Anthony Richardson's going to have that because I think Jonathan Taylor eventually will come back and play. Um, 
but it is an interesting note just to you know think about as obviously we don't really know what's going to happen with this Jonathan Taylor situation. Yeah, completely. And and as for Richardson getting named the starter, I'm really not too worried about it. I, I don't think they're uh, when it comes to him him being rushed in. Uh, I, I mean, I just look at where he was drafted really early in the draft, a, a top five pick, top three pick. Like he he's got to be in there, and, and they're going to trust him and and ride with him. Uh, obviously, Gardner Minshew's there. I don't know if that's doing anything, helping him develop if he's sitting behind Gardner Minshew. I feel like getting him those NFL reps right away is going to be the way to go. And and I could say that for all three of the rookie quarterbacks, Richardson, Young, and Stroud. Yeah, not that they care about our fantasy football teams at all because they don't, the coaches, but I think that it gives them a better chance to win. And so I think that that's, that's where the situation comes in and, and – so, you know, taking the guy who's a playmaker, I think that that's pretty important. But, yeah, not that they care about our fantasy football teams at all. Um, I do think that, like I said, I think that Anthony Richardson being named the starter before the season starts uh, does up his value a touch rather than coming in week five, week six. That's true. I agree. All right. So now we get to our next one, and it was Bryce Young. He goes up against the Jets, who shut him out 27 uh, Bryce goes four of six, 21 yards. He took a sack. He got hit a lot early in the game. Um, no big plays, no major mistakes, though, against what was a, a kind of scary-looking Jets front. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that really stands out. Now, obviously, it's preseason. It's his first start. Like Bryce Young had a really solid game for what he was going up against. A young quarterback with a team around him that's really not that good. Uh, Carolina's going to struggle a little bit uh, when it comes to that. They're still rebuilding around him. But he went up against arguably the best defense in the NFL and, and the New York Jets, and, and they gave him a hard time. They're going to try and, and, and bump into him, bother him any way they possibly can, and he didn't make any mistakes. And I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, about Bryce Young. He doesn't make mistakes. He's he's very smart. His IQ is the best of the quarterbacks in the draft by far. I think it's not even close. And, and that's what stands out. That's why he's the number one overall pick. I think he had a solid debut. Uh, uh, um, basically, with what's around him, you can't expect much more from, from a young quarterback. Yeah, and again, it's preseason week one, and so you know, it's not like he was going up against Quinnen Williams and, and Sauce Gardner and those kind of guys. But, I mean, make no mistake, those those guys that are sitting behind them, I mean, we're talking about Jermaine Johnson, who was picked in the first round, and, you know, guys like that, who it was a pretty scary front uh, for the Jets. And, and yeah, they got a lot of hits on him, and he kind of seemed composed about it. And that was kind of cool to watch. It just was like, okay, he's ready for this. And and I think that he brings – listen, I, I said it a couple weeks ago. I think he brings solid – quarterback two uh, potential. Uh, he could end up being your second quarterback in Superflex, and I would have no problem with it at all. Uh, we spoke about how some of those weapons are reliable, and so I think that he'll start to form some chemistries with the guys, the Adam Thielens of the world, uh, and I, I, I do think that he will have a good season. Obviously, it's not going to be a great season, and I'm not expecting him to be like you know the top guy in the history of rookie quarterbacks, but I think he'll be a solid quarterback option. I think he'll he'll get them some touchdowns. And, you know, obviously, if you own him in a dynasty league, you had to, you know, get him up high. Uh, and he, obviously, we spoke about it. I think he, he still has proven that he is going to be the top rookie quarterback. Yeah, and it, it just stands out. Like, this doesn't really surprise me from, from Bryce Young. I, obviously, the quarterback of Alabama, he's won national championships, and, and he's gone up in the SEC against – uh, who knows how, like how many top prospects defenses that are full of them He's going up against Georgia all the time. Like this guy has been through it and, and has exceeded expectations in his time at Alabama. Obviously it's, it's a little different once you head into the pros, but this guy ha has done a lot in college uh, that really now it doesn't really surprise me if he's going to be uh, successful on the Carolina Panthers this year. Yeah, so now let's get into our third quarterback. And, you know, this the first two, Young and Richardson, have already been named the starters. 
CJ Stroud has not been named the starter yet. However, he seems to be taking every first team rep and, and it's appearing that way that he's played only with starters and not with backups. Um, and so we're guessing that CJ Stroud will end up being the starter for the Houston Texans this year. Uh, he didn't have that great of a game. He finished two for four, 13 yards, forced the ball into coverage, was intercepted. He didn't get much help from his line. He got banged around a lot. Um, Zach, what do you take out of out of a first, obviously it's first week of the preseason, but you know, a bit of a struggle here for CJ Stroud. So I feel like the biggest thing, I mean, the biggest takeaway we could take from three these three guys, you can see the weaknesses. They're right out for you to see what they need to work on with when it comes to Richardson, accuracy and and getting that completion percentage up. Bryce Young, I mean, trying to avoid and 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 just finding a couple more uh, big type plays when it comes to CJ Stroud, it's decision-making. And I've, I've said this countless amount of times uh, since he's been drafted. Uh, the decision-making obviously forced the ball into coverage right to the defender. Maybe it was a miscommunication with his wide receiver, but that's something he needs to work on uh, in the NFL. And, and the Patriots defense did not make it easy for him. They were sending everything for him. He got hit. Uh, a couple of times you're hey, all right, watch out. Um, so I feel like it it's don't take too much from it. Obviously it's preseason and it's the Patriots. They're a really good defense, but I, I think he's got a, a some time to learn and, and develop, but I feel like having him as the number one, I, I don't think Davis Mills is going to help CJ Stroud all of a sudden start to develop. I feel like CJ Stroud, the best way for him to develop, is getting those reps in the NFL and he can get things going in that system and really learn from, from the guys around him, build that chemistry with his wide receivers. And you can only do that with the reps that you get in an actual game in a preseason game. Yeah. I think that what, I mean, we watched that game together and, and if you watch that playback, it was tank Dell and we'll talk about tank Dell in a little bit, but it was tank Dell. He faked the defender out of his shoes and you know, turned around for the ball and the safety jumped the route and it was a good play by the safety. But at the same time, like he didn't see the safety at all. And he decided he needed to throw it into double coverage. And yeah, one of the defenders fell down, but the other one jumped the route. And so, you know, Stroud will learn, but at the same time, I agree with you. I think that the decision-making was pretty out there, especially when you look at the play in slow motion where everybody was and yeah, he shouldn't have forced the ball into there. Um, you know, and, and I also I agree with what you said before. All three of these quarterbacks, it was very easy to figure out what their weakness was and and how they can avoid that. And yeah, I, so for me, I, I'm taking a pass on C.J. Stroud this year as far as you know fantasy goes. Obviously, dynasty is a different perspective where you know you figure out where he's going to be in a couple of years. And I still think that that's probably the only place you'd be drafting him right now. Probably not taking him in a redraft setting. Uh, unless you were in a very deep super flex league. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I, I, the other two I'd maybe take a shot on, but I'm also not crazy confident in, in any of these guys. But if I was going to take a shot, um, probably Richardson over Young because of the rushing ability in that offense with, in Indy. But I feel like Bryce Young could also be a really solid backup for one or two weeks uh, when you need them and you're, and you're starting guys on a bye. All right, so now let's get into the uh, to the rest of the preseason as we start to break down some of these other games. And we're going to start here with the Eagles. And I think this is well, this was an interesting perspective here. The Eagles, uh, it was weird to me because Kenneth Gainwell, he rested with the starters. Um, it came right out right before that that he was going to have a feature back role. Um, and then Swift, Swift and Penny were kind of battling for the backup job. And so... Swift started, uh, Penny played into the second quarter, and Gainwell didn't play at all, and he rested with the starters. Do you make anything of this at all? Um, I I do a tiny bit, I'm going to say. I, I think that Gainwell is the one of these three that has been in this system. He's comfortable in this system. Obviously, last year, uh, went all the way to the Super Bowl with this team. Yes, he wasn't the number one, but he was maybe the number two uh, behind Miles Sanders last season. I think it kind of shows like they're trying to still uh, teach Swift and Penny. 
But when it comes to redraft value, I feel like any three of these guys, Gainwell, Swift, and Penny, I don't think they're anything more than flex plays in my mind. I, I think that's probably the comfortable spot for them, whether one's on the bench or, or uh, but you're going to take them in consideration as a flex each and every week. You're not going to feel comfortable, though, with a guy like DeAndre Swift as your running back, too. That's just not going to work for you. I, I don't recommend that heading into this season. I would say all of these guys should be rostered in Dynasty. I think that's very important because Swift and Gainwell are both 24, so they're very young. Penny a little bit older than that. I think he's 27. But, I, I mean, Penny, you hold on to him and, and see what goes on this year. More, Most likely, if you're in maybe win-now mode, you, you take a shot on Rashad Penny and Dynasty. I feel like Gainwell and Swift are guys you can hold on to. I, I do think people were a little bit frustrated, DeAndre Swift owners, that he went to Philadelphia in a crowded backfield. See what you could get for him. I, he has a lot of value. He's only 24 years old. Shop him on the market. And if you could get something good for DeAndre Swift, because people still value him very highly. They may say, oh, he's the number one in Philly. You don't know that right now see what you could get for him in the market. So it's interesting because here's how I took it. Penny and Swift, both newer to the system than Kenneth Gainwell. They kind of need to learn the system a little more. Uh, Gainwell is going to have a role though in, in this. That said, I'm a little scared of all of them. And, you know, Swift is injury prone. Penny's injury prone. Gainwell could potentially be the guy. And, and so, there is that late round flyer like light bulb that goes off of, of taking a shot on, on Kenneth Gainwell because you could basically get him for free. He's the last round pick. Um, he's not going in a lot of drafts. And so, yeah, there's the potential that you take that for free. And then, you know, ha if it doesn't work out, you just drop him and pick someone up on waivers. Um, the Penny Swift thing really does scare me though. And so, yeah, I, I think that both of them actually have sell value right now. And yeah, I would roster all of them in a dynasty league, but as far as redraft goes, I I don't know. I, I think the Gainwell is worth the dart throw because um, I think he'll he'll have at least a third of the workload, uh, if not more. Yeah, and I can I can understand why people would would go towards Swift because the receiving value out of the backfield that's really all he did uh in his time in Detroit like yes he got those carries every now and then and, and bursted out with one but I mean he got a lot of the receiving work and and that's really what made him successful last year especially with Jamal Williams getting all the touchdowns the rushing value there I mean I I think Swift the receiving ability out of the backfield is something to look at and you can and I would see why people are definitely intrigued by drafting him but like I said, he's he's nothing more than a flex play in my mind. All right, so now let's jump over to what seems to be a more settled backfield situation, um, at least from from the outside looking in, and we'll see how it how it actually comes out to be. But it was Jameer Gibbs. Is he a PPR monster? He he carried the ball six times for 19 yards. He hold, he only hauled in one target though for 18 yards, but the 18 yard pass really looked like okay, he's gonna be this PPR guy. And if that's the story, then I will be a very happy man, Brett, because I, I've had two fantasy drafts so far, and my RB2 in both of them is Jameer Gibbs. So I'll, I would be very happy with that. Um, but you can see the Alvin Kamara type value. We talked about it all that all that time, and, and he was coming out of college, and, and that was the comparison. You saw it on one play, the reception for, for 18 yards. I think that's going to come a lot more. Uh, in this season, it was all in the first quarter that he played. He had six carries for 19 yards and, and a reception for 18 yards. That's solid. And, and what you're asking for, for Jameer Gibbs, you know he's not going to get a ton of carries. I mean, he's going to get some, but you know that David Montgomery is going to be the rushing down back and, and he's going to get those carries. You're looking forward to that DeAndre Swift role from last year but even a little bit more coming with the talent that Jameer Gibbs has. I mean, this guy could play wide receiver. So watch out for it. They're going to use him in all different kinds of ways. Very excited from what I saw from Jameer Gibbs. I, I think he's going to be 
uh, a guy to watch out for. And it proves where he's going in drafts right now in that third, fourth round. Like, go get him. He's, he's going to be a monster. I'm happy you said that because he did line up as a wide receiver during the game. And, you know, that was something that they spoke about early on. And and so, yeah, I, I saw that 18-yard pass and, you know, the, the catch and the run. And I was like, wow, this guy's going to be good. Um, that was the immediate impact. And, and so, yeah, I think that, that Gibbs is a guy that I'm very high on. And we'll see how what happens when Montgomery gets worked in with him and all of that. But, yeah, for, for the first impression, I thought that, this could turn out to be one of those guys that's, you know, the Camara-esque uh, kind of player with the PPR. Yeah, completely agree. All right, so we jump on to another rookie here. It was Jordan Addison. Uh, he caught one pass for 22 yards. However, he also made a highlight play early in the game, uh, made a catch on the sideline. Looks like he had both feet down. They called it incomplete. Vikings decided they're not challenging. It's preseason. It doesn't really matter. But – he did make the catch. Um, he was he showed flashes of his upside. Um, he's going into ninth round, Zach. Do you think that that is a, a fair value for him, or do you think this could be a higher value? I feel like nothing. I mean, maybe a round, uh, maybe eighth round. You, you're saying, okay, I, I need a wide receiver. Uh, let me take a shot on on Jordan Addison, but I feel like that's probably the good spot for him. We talk about rookies, and and rookies doesn't always mean success. That's one of your one of your tips, Brett, and and it shows in in real life. It like it it happens, and and he played well. A uh, reception for twenty two yards, and then that other one that got ruled incomplete. Three targets on the day for Jordan Addison. He's wide receiver forty four right now, so he's not going to be crazy high but i do think he's going to be the second wide receiver in minnesota we know what that comes with justin jefferson's gonna get who knows how many targets this year kirk kirk cousins just gonna be like all right i'm gonna find justin jefferson wherever similar to what happened last year but then addison comes in and and gets those leftover targets i think it's going to be a solid year you could take a shot on him in the ninth round maybe in the eighth but, but nothing earlier than that because I feel like there's better options ahead. Yeah, for me, Addison's an interesting one. I grabbed him in the Dynasty League because I think it makes sense there. Uh, Redraft's interesting, though, because, I, I mean, he's been going as high as the eighth round, and I, I, I think there's some good options that you can pick instead of him. That said, I, I thought he did show a lot of promise. I'm curious to see what happens when Kirk Cousins ends up being the quarterback there. Um, you know, the other thing – it got reported today he's in concussion protocol. He could return as soon as Monday. Um, I'm not sure that has really much effect because it's only a week's notice and, and whatever. But at the same time, um, listen, if he fell to me at the end of the ninth round, I would look at it. I would look at it pretty heavily. Um, I think that you're getting great value there. That said, you know, a lot of people are going to overreact over this highlight real catch that didn't count um, and grab him around earlier. I'm not sure that that really happens. And, you know, we we've talked about, you know, certain guys. And again, we're going to get to Tank Dell, but a lot of people who are kind of overreacting to that long bomb. You know, he got picked up within a half hour of, of that game ending in our league uh, to Tank Dell. And so, yeah, are people going to try to go early on Addison? Sure. You should just let them go early on, on Addison and, and grab whatever value drops. Exactly. All right, so now we go on to another rookie here. It was Zach Charbonnet. Uh, he got the start there in Seattle. He took four carries for 14 yards. He added two receptions for 14 yards. He was a very physical runner, though, and, and that's what I think we should have really taken away from this. Uh, a lot of toughness from him. Yeah, I mean, at four carries, 14 yards, two receptions for 14 yards, all came in the first half. I mean, he, he was – pretty good like i mean there it's early obviously he's running back 41 right now um i think that's probably the good spot for him because of maybe that split backfield uh between him and and kenneth walker the third kenneth walker's out right now with an injury a groin injury he's, he's still week to week uh most likely going to come back pretty soon and i think once they get to the regular season You'll really see what's going on in that Seattle backfield. I've spoken about this so many times. I wouldn't take Walker uh, where he's 
getting taken right now in, in redraft, but I would take a shot on Charbonnet because it's what ninth round, 10th round. I mean, if, if Kenneth Walker goes down, then Zach Charbonnet is all of a sudden a really valuable asset. So I'd take him where he's going, but I I'd stay away from Walker, but I could see, yes, Walker is probably going to be the number one. And then Charbonnet will come in at number two and, and picking off some of those numbers that Walker could put up if he was the only one there. Yeah, I can see something like a 60-40 split or, you know, 65-35, something like that, uh, kind of a split. I think that that's where you'll see it. Um, you know, we spoke about it last week on our redraft recap episode where Kenneth Walker at the end of the fourth round was my pick uh, because we were in a running back heavy league, and, and I made sure that I grabbed Charbonnet uh, back end of the 10th round. And so, you know, just to make sure that I had had my bases covered. Um, yeah, listen, I, I don't know that I take much from this other than Charbonnet is really, really physical. And, and I think Pete Carroll is going to like that and kind of lead into that more. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that Charbonnet is going to play a significant role in this offense uh, as they try to pound the rock and, and then kind of mix in the passing. Yeah, I mean, the size really stood out, and, and that's the difference between Charbonnet and, and Walker. And you could see Charbonnet in that, that goal line type of situation. They may favor him uh, a little bit more than Kenneth Walker, who is a little bit smaller than Charbonnet. Yeah, so interested to see now what happens when Walker comes back and, and what happens to Charbonnet's role. Yep, definitely. All right, so now we jump over to some rookie tight ends, and it seemed that there were three of them that got all of the snaps with the starters. Dalton Kincaid gets 100% of the snaps with the Bills starters. Sam Laporta played 100% of the snaps with the Lions starters. And then it was Luke Musgrave who got 100% of the snaps with the Packers starters. Second-round pick over uh, Tucker Craft, who was the third-round pick, tight end. And Musgrave gets 100% of the snaps with the Packers Zach, what do you take away from these three guys? So, I mean, Kincaid against the Colts, not targeted, but played 100% of the snaps, like you said, Brett. I feel like that's probably what we expected. Uh, I think Kincaid maybe had a question mark with Dawson Knox. You don't draft a tight end in, in the first round like the Bills did uh, if you're going to throw him on the bench and, and wait for him to develop. Like, this guy is going to get right into action. Uh, you saw what he could do at Utah last year. He's a very talented tight end. Uh, maybe towards a, a wide receiver, he could look more towards. But I, I feel like this doesn't surprise me. When it comes to Laporta, also doesn't surprise me. I've been talking about Sam Laporta for months and months and months. Drafted him in Dynasty myself. No receptions on one target against the Giants. There's just nobody else in, in Detroit. There's a couple names. Brock Wright um, is one of them, but they had a couple guys go out with injury. So that's still a question mark, but it's Sam Laporta's room. And then Luke Musgrave, probably I would say the most surprising because he's got another rookie right next to him in Tucker Craft. You maybe think they would split uh, those snaps with the starters, but they favor Musgrave and, and why not? He's tight end 35 right now in redraft. Uh, he had one reception for one reception for eight yards uh, on three targets. I mean, he's he's a very talented player, and that's why they drafted him in the second round. Yeah. So for me, I, I mean, Kincaid, not surprised. I mean, we we knew that that one was going to happen. They've just overhyped him. Um, and yeah, we didn't really see anything from him, but that's okay. Listen, one for one preseason game, and you know, obviously the backups in there for uh, most of the game. So that he didn't get a ton of work. Um, Sam Laporta though, you know, yeah, we, we spoke about them a ton. Um, so, you know, with Laporta, I, I think that that's going to be a significant role. Um, also just, you know, going back to Kincaid, it, it is worth mentioning that he did line up out wide. They threw him in motion. They threw him in the slot. Um, that was something that they spoke about a ton. And so, you know, there's that as well. Um, but yeah, like you said, Luke Musgrave, I think was the interesting one of the three. Uh, I think he's going to have a nice target share here, actually. I, and like I said, clearly he's ahead of Tucker Kraft for the role. Um, it's also worth noting that out of that game, I, the other takeaway I had was that Jaden Reed is going to be their slot receiver. Uh, another rookie there as as you'll probably see Watson and Dobbs on the outside. 
with Jaden Reed there in the slot and Musgrave as the tight end. And so, you know, that that was my big takeaway just from the Packers standpoint. Um, but yeah, I think that this is going to be one of those, you know, late round flyer potential in a Luke Musgrave. And, and especially if you're playing in one of those deeper leagues and, you know, higher teams, 14, 16 teams where those tight ends start to go. And, you know, some teams take two tight ends. I think Luke Musgrave might be a guy you want to target. Yeah, I, I mean, all three of these guys, really, some guys to look at as as backups. They're, they're nothing more than that. Um, and late round flyers and really looking at them, Kincaid a little bit earlier than the others. Um, but Laporta's tight end 21, Musgrave tight end 35. Take a shot on them. Why not? Like, they're getting those snaps and they're going to be with the starters. It just shows the value that these guys can have heading into this season. Yeah, I, I, and I think from a dynasty perspective, um, we've spoken at length about Laporte and Kincaid, but Musgrave, you know, listen, Musgrave was like a mid-round pick. That could be good value there in a rookie draft. Yeah, agree. All right, so now we go to the guy we were talking about just a few minutes ago. It's Tank Dell. Are we buying or selling him? He had five catches for 65 yards and a pretty good-looking touchdown there. I, it was a pretty good-looking touchdown. I won't uh, uh, bash him too much for maybe not catching it at first and then having to help himself out by catching it completely, but we'll forget about that. He caught the touchdown. He did a good job. Uh, I feel like people are reading a little bit too much into this. It's the first preseason game. He was with Stroud. Yes, Stroud could be it. I mean, Dell could be one of uh, Stroud's favorite targets, but we've talked about Stroud and and maybe not a very valuable guy in redraft this season. I think you could say the same about anything else in that Houston offense besides maybe Damian Pierce. But even so, he has Devin, Devin Singletary behind him. I'm just staying away from this Houston offense. I don't know. Maybe take a late round flyer on Tank Dell. But I've he's wide receiver three at best in my mind. There's an argument for Woods, Collins, Mechie. Who knows? Like, I feel like wide receiver three in this Houston wide receiver room is the best spot for him. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Brett? Well, here's how I'll put it. Dynasty, go grab him. Go grab him. I think that, that he has proven that he is going to be a good NFL receiver. Um, you know, and he might not get the work now, but he will get the work. He, he you saw the talent there. Um, redraft, it's a little interesting here. Like like I said, he had five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. He played all but one snap with the starters. That said, temper your expectations there because they didn't play Robert Woods or Noah Brown in that game. They sat both of them. And so Dell start might not mean that much. It was interesting, though, that he played ahead of John Mechie, though, in those two receiver sets. He lined up alongside Nevo Collins. And then obviously when they played three wide receivers, they all were in. Um, but it was Mechie who was who was the odd man out. And you don't know if that's because they're ramping Mechie back up or, or whatnot after, you know, he comes back from leukemia. And, and so you're not really sure what to read into that. I think that's a bigger question mark for me is what does this mean for John Mechie? Um, but that said, listen, Stroud loved him and, and, He's spoken at length about it over the last couple months of how, you know, he was on the phone with the GM and the GM asked about him and he gave him a glowing review and loved him and said, go get him. Uh, so listen, Tank Dell might be a thing. And I keep saying it to you this, this past week, Tank Dell might be a thing. Does it mean, you know, that he's worth a, a last round target? Yeah. I think he's a good consideration for my last round pick target. Um, I'm not sure he's much more than that right now. I, I need to see more. Uh, that's fair. I, I Tank Dell is a thing in the next couple of years. Yeah. So I'll say that. I don't think it's I don't think it's this year. It's Stroud's rookie year. Uh, I mean, you know what I'm expecting from Stroud, um, and, and it's not going to be anything spectacular. So I feel like the same has to be said for for a guy like Tank Dell, especially in a crowded wide receiver room in Houston. Yeah, again, I think Tank Dell might be a thing. Might be. might be a thing this year. So, so listen, he might be a thing. We'll see. we'll see what happens. All right, so now we go to another team who's getting a lot of hype. 
um, based on their performance early on, it's the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, and their running back situation is interesting right now. Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, Justin Fields had a great game, and that offense looked awesome. And everyone was like, Bears are going to the Super Bowl. I don't know if we're going to put that into the stretch after the first preseason game. Uh, but the Bears fans had a great time with it. Uh, Khalil Herbert versus Roshan Johnson, though, I think is is what we have to talk about here. Herbert had one target, 56-yard touchdown. He had 15 yard, rushing yards on four attempts, and he played with the starters. Roshan Johnson, he tallied 44 yards on 12 carries. He caught three of his four targets for two yards. But Johnson played behind Herbert, Foreman, and even Treston Ebner. Zach, do you make anything of that? Uh, it's early. Uh, I mean, that's the biggest thing I'll say. And and it shows that Herbert's the guy. And, and he's ranked that way uh, for fantasy. He's ranked running back 30. Uh, Roshan Johnson's ranked running back 52. So the question is, it's Herbert's backfield. I mean, you can really see that. You also can see that he's most likely going to be the receiving back. He had that one reception, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, that 56-yard play really stands out that this guy is a real problem out of the backfield when it comes to receiving downs. I feel like when it comes to Johnson, he's the insurance guy for Herbert. Like if you're grabbing Herbert, maybe you'd take your your last pick. You you grab a guy like Roshan Johnson because you never know. But I feel like Herbert's your running back three, running back four. Like he's not going to be anything higher than that. Um I would I would feel comfortable with other guys ahead of him. But right now in Dynasty, you drafted Roshan Johnson. Hold on to him. I think he's going to be a, a really talented player and you saw that in his time at Texas, he was behind Bijan Robinson all those times and still managed to, to be one of those top picks in, in the draft and, and uh, one of the first couple of running backs to go off the board. So that proves the talent that, that he has. And, I mean, he had those 12 carries. They all came in the second half. Travis Homer is there also. Uh, Foreman is also there. You said Ebner's also there. Very crowded. It just proves to me that that Khalil Herbert's the guy. Yeah, I think that that was kind of solidified this weekend with Khalil Herbert. I, he will be the number one. And, yeah, it's probably going to be a three-headed monster. I'm not sure that Tristan Ebner will be there, but for, you could bet that Foreman will be there and, and Roshan Johnson as well. And so, yeah, I'm not sure how much upside there is on Khalil Herbert, but I am intrigued by the PPR value because I think that that's where he's going to get uh, the most of his work. And so – yeah, for me, I, I'm not reading into this too much about Roshan Johnson being all the way behind. It's a rookie game one, and and he had 12 carries and and got a lot of work down the stretch, and that was okay. Um, and he also got a little bit of PPR work too. So from a dynasty perspective, I think that you know he was the backup to Bijan Robinson. You're keeping that guy in dynasty. Um, and then as far as Khalil goes, I, I think that he's also a guy that you take later on. I'm not sure that I'm. I'm not really running to go grab Khalil Herbert uh, the way that a lot of people are, but you know, in the tenth round to get a number one guy, if you need some running back depth, you know, I wouldn't pass on him. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like he's. I put him in that same area as a guy like Antonio Gibson. I feel like yeah. it just just enough. Maybe your fourth running back here. You're all right. Let me let me complete this running back uh, tandem that I have and and. I feel like Khalil Herbert's a, a pretty solid guy there. Of course, versus uh, Antonio Gibson, Gibson has Ryan Robinson Jr., who's going to take a lot of those carries. Herbert, it's still a question who's going to take those carries, but he also has Justin Fields, and we know that he's going to get some rushing ability out of the backfield. All right, so that'll do it. So next week, we are going to break down the top 40 uh, Zach, I'm going to Broncos training camp tomorrow, so that should be fun. Yeah, go Broncos. Yeah, Enjoy so the mile we'll, get to see, we'll get to see Russ up close. Maybe I'll even get to ask Sean Payton his thoughts on uh, the offensive coordinator of the Jets and uh, get the real scoop. One more. Tell Javante that he can't rush back from injury. His dynasty value is very important to him. Very important. And, yes, I will make sure to, to make a great point to him uh, not to rush back from injury. Uh, we're going to be back next week with a breakdown of our top 40 uh, to give you guys the edge up top of your draft. 
Um, Zach, you got any last words here? Uh, no, very excited for the top 40 because it kind of puts our rankings into perspective. Yeah, and, and excited for more football this weekend as we get into another week of preseason games. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, pretty excited to see like those mid-tier positional battles and, and some of those rookies and, and how they'll come forward. And, you know, obviously we, we take a look at Dynasty and Redraft and some of those late round flyers. And I'm sure that in preseason week two, we're going to get some some of those guys that we're going to say, hey, make sure you take a look at those guys and on either your waiver wire if he's out there or in those last couple rounds. Yeah, completely. And, and we'll see what happens in, in this upcoming week of preseason games. All right. So enjoy the football, everybody. 